Back with us, one of South Florida's most valuable and respected resources on infectious disease, Dr. Eileen Marty, Professor of Infectious Diseases at Florida International University. So great to see you again last week. Doctor, you were sitting right next to me and now we're being much healthier today. And you know, last week also, we were talking about the expectation of the number of positives rising because the testing is now showing what is already there and and you were right that is bearing out just as you predicted uh, give us a sense of this week what you have seen right so there has been a massive effort to try and get uh, a handle on reality in other words to try and really uh, understand the data because if you don't have the proper data then you can't make the proper decisions and quite frankly, I'm very sad to see that there's a push now at the federal level to reduce testing. I understand the reasons uh, which have to do with not having the supplies, the not having the PPE, not having all the reagents and, and how difficult it is to, to do this. Um, but it's unfortunate uh, and it's unfortunate because uh, I don't think we should be flying blind. It's very important to do things right from, from the get-go. And instead of um, that policy, I would much prefer to see the defense, uh, the, this new Defense Power Act be actually enacted uh, and to see that there be uh, many more companies. Uh, I'm glad there's some that volunteer, but not just those that volunteer, because we do have to think of this as a war against a micro-predator. So you're talking about the president, uh, president President Trump, who has not yet uh, done that kind of move with the D uh, Defensive Power Act. And so right now there is no mandate federally for any private company to be manufacturing or added, adding to the supplies and resources that we have right now. But around the state of Florida, and I want to bring it back a little bit more local here, around the state of Florida, it sounds like our state is being proactive with as much testing as they can get. Uh, is, is that something that, that we can rely on as an authentic prediction? Uh, first of all, I want to say that I've had the privilege of having a number of conversations with many of our elected officials at various levels of government here in Florida. And I do believe that our elected officials here in Florida have been exceptional. Uh, and they have reached out and tried to get as much real ground truth as to what's happening here as they possibly can, particularly in Miami-Dade, um, a little less so in Broward. but. Uh, particularly in Miami-Dade, the, 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 at all levels of government, I've seen a tremendous effort to do the right thing. I want to ask you something that I've heard so many people asking about, and that is, I guess we can headline this as personal responsibility. There is a call in several states to stay at home, a mandate to stay at home. We haven't seen that here in Florida yet. Yet we are seeing everyone involved in the health community telling people if they can, don't leave your house unless it's essential. Essential stores are supposed to be the only ones open. And yet we see people who are out and about, um, I don't know if we have the video to show, but we've seen over just yesterday filled with boats and people partying, although the beaches are closed in our counties at least. I want you to sort of address people's fears that yes, there are those infected who are not yet showing symptoms, and yes, there are those who are out and about who may not have to be, and the role of personal responsibility and, and what people who are being responsible can do about that. 
So, Glenda, that's an awful lot of uh, questions all I'm rolled into one. I'm sorry about that. I just kind of laid it on you there. <laughs> no, 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 but there's very many important points that you're making, and they're all quite right. Um, first of all, I think there's still a level of denial, uh, despite the massive uh, changes that we're all seeing in our lives, there remains a certain level of denial, particularly among uh, certain youth-level populations. Um, and I think there's a, a misconception overall about infection versus disease. So uh, I, I think people need to realize that anyone at any age can have that virus come into their body. Once the, the virus is within you, you may manifest mild, moderate, severe, or critical symptoms, depending on a variety of factors, such as your age, your gender, your uh, any underlying uh, health conditions. Those determine how you manifest having that virus in your body. It doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you're infected. So that is one of the principal things that's going on with this outbreak, and that is that something we call the serial interval, that amount of time between the time that a virus, the virus gets in your body and you're able to shed enough virus to contaminate somebody else is actually extremely short. That's one of the reasons that this is such a fast moving uh, disease. If you compare this virus to SARS, right? So the SARS-2 virus that causes COVID-19 to the old SARS virus that caused SARS, the old one took about seven days in that serial interval between the time that you um, acquired the virus and the time that you were able to share the virus with other people. This one is averaging about four days. That's a lot less time. And that's four to four and a half days before you're shedding virus. That has nothing to do with when you show symptoms. That's a different number. That's incubation period. And that tends to be longer than that four to four and a half days. So yeah, there's a lot of people walking about that are eschewing this virus into the environment and potentially contaminating individuals who, when the virus gets into that individual, can produce a much more severe disease. So what you're saying, if I could just headline that, is that it is so important for everyone who can to stay at home as much as they can. Dr. Marty, always great to have you with us, our go-to expert, and I uh, appreciate your time. Let's kick it up to more of a federal level. The House and Senate right now are grappling with calculating trillions in federal aid and stimulus to coronavirus crippled families and businesses. And now their own health and hygiene is, of course, a concern. Miami-Dade Congresswoman Debbie Mukarsal Powell is with us via Skype from her home office in Miami. Congresswoman, nice to have you with us. How, how are you feeling at the moment? Hi, Glenn. Uh, thank God I've been very healthy, but I've been very careful. I have my mom who lives with me. She's over 80 years old. And, you know, after flying back from Washington, being exposed to a lot of people, sending my best wishes to my friend and colleague, uh, Representative Mario Diaz-Balart. But so far, so good. And we're being very careful. I've been conducting business through Skype and online teleconferencing. And we might mention there is a, a second congressman from Utah who has also tested positive. So there's yes. going to be a real concern about about the 435 and members of Congress meeting. But I, what I want to do in our time together is I want to talk about this stimulus package. It'll be the, the third heavy lift. And this one, there's some controversy on how to do what is a, a trillion dollar relief package 
who gets it? Does it go trickle down to the uh, American on the street at home? Does it go to corporations? Talk a little bit about where that package is right now. Yeah, thank you, Glenna. So we are conducting negotiations at the moment. We've had several calls with House leadership, and we want to make sure that it includes funding to support our public health infrastructure. We need to ensure that our healthcare workers that are providing these services on the front line have the equipment that they need. That's one side of it. The economic side of it is making sure that if we're going to be providing billions of dollars to large corporations, that we have certain prerequisites, that it doesn't include funding for executive pay, for bonuses, for stock buyback. We need to protect our working families first. I have been working with some colleagues in the Hispanic caucus to ensure that any funding that goes to American workers or any checks that go out to American workers, which I'm pushing for as well, includes people that have the ITIN, which is just the tax ID number, so that these thousands of workers that we have here in South Florida that are filing taxes are able also to qualify to get that check in the mail. You know, we have been hit specifically hard because of the tourism industry. We rely heavily on the cruise ships, our ports, Key West closed its port. So I'm get, getting calls from so many independent contractors, waiters, waitresses, who are already losing pay. We need to enhance unemployment benefit. We have asked several Congress members and myself have asked the governor of the state of Florida to increase that unemployment benefit. We're one of the um, last ones when we compare to other states in the nation that provide a very limited amount of unemployment insurance. L let me ask you this well, while you mentioned the corporations and, and what had become from the last bailout in 2008. There are so many workers in South Florida who do work for the cruise lines and, and the airlines. Would you back leaving the cruise lines and airlines for various reasons of from the experiences of the past? out of a quote-unquote bailout package? No, Glenna, what we need to do is make sure that we actually protect small businesses who employ 50% of American workers, but also large businesses, because we need to protect those hundreds of thousands of jobs that they employ. The airline industry employs over 750,000 workers in America today. And we, I'm part of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, and the chairman has been uh, having conversations with the airline industry, and they're going to be, some of them, declaring bankruptcy. We need to protect those jobs, which is why this funding bill is going to be, this funding package is going to be critical. But we need to ensure that any funding bill, any economic stimulus bill, goes directly to protect those jobs. We can't fund these huge industries and then see massive layoffs. What we want is to keep as many workers on payroll as we can, and that's part of the negotiation. So yes, we need to support large businesses as well because they employ thousands of American workers. But we need to ensure that the funding that we provide doesn't go to executive pay or bonuses or stock buyback, that we protect the jobs, that we enhance sick leave, paid family leave, that's another uh, part of the negotiation that we are right now conducting. These are uncharted waters. There's really no kind of pattern or past experience to draw upon. Would you, uh, would you bear with me for just a moment? I want to talk a little bit about Florida-specific issues. And, you know, we're looking around the country at 
uh, states like New York and New Jersey and California, and I believe Connecticut now has uh, the governors there have mandated that people stay at home. Uh, there's a lot of people calling for Governor DeSantis to close the beaches statewide, which has not been done yet. And the governor in the past had said he'd like a lot of the decisions, as many as possible, to be made at the local level. Give us a sense as the congresswoman who is representing South Florida, but Florida also as a whole, do you advocate a stay-at-home mandate order statewide? Glenna, if you remember, I worked at the FIU Medical School for quite some time, and I have a very close relationship with Dr. Eileen Marty, which you've had on your show. And weeks ago, she was sounding the alarm that we weren't taking the necessary steps and precautions. Now, we are going to get through this. Uh, I don't want everyone to be so alarmed that you like there's no end in sight. But if we take the necessary precautions now, which is close down all beaches statewide, make sure that people have a stay-at-home order so that we can control that curve. I'm seeing the cases and what's happening in New York City and in New York State. And I really, with the rise of cases that I'm seeing here in Florida and Miami-Dade County, I am a little concerned that I'm not seeing that sense of urgency from the governor. Um, I can tell you that Monroe County has really closed. Starting today, they're closing all their hotels okay. or restaurants, and they, and they have a and they have a case now too. I'm going to have to leave it there, Congresswoman. Great yeah. to see you. We value your time, and thank you so much thank for being with us today. The Florida Keys has its first case of COVID-19 and plans to shut down hotels and businesses beginning Monday night. Monroe County Mayor Heather Carruthers is with us via Skype from her home office in Key West. Mayor, good to have you. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much for uh, allowing me to speak. I just want to correct one thing. Actually, our hotels close as of 6 p.m. today. We issued that order on Thursday evening. Okay, uh, thanks for that correction. And as we speak, in case uh, people are watching this on the web into perpetuity, this is <laughs> Sunday, and so you'll be closing tonight. What does that mean, practically speaking? How do you get people to leave the Keys? Because I will say, we were there this week. Uh, you've been under a, a state of emergency, technically, since last Sunday. And right. we, frankly, saw no one moving. and bars and restaurants full, uh, people not really worried in many cases, not residents who are worried, but how is this practically going to get done? We are asking all of our lodging properties to tell their folks that they have to check out. We did that as of Thursday, and I'll tell you, I uh, rode my bike around the island today and saw very little traffic, um, very few people out, and you see single people and maybe you know uh, two people together walking, biking, outdoors, no lines, even at Cuban Coffee Queen this morning. So um, I think the message is out now. You know, we've closed our bars. Um, our restaurants in the city of Key West are doing uh, takeout only. Um, we're moving to that, through that throughout the county um, uh, because of the governor's orders uh, as well. There's really not a lot of recreation and certainly uh, not a lot of touring. Uh, we've closed our attractions down here. So, um, you know, it's really time when uh, everybody needs to hunker down, stay home. I'm, I'm going to ask you a, a fairly pointed question. Now that all of those things have been done, they weren't done this week. And when we were there on Wednesday, there were no positive cases listed yet, although the county administrator said he would not be surprised that there were. The Keys is, is going through much like what Broward and Dade and the rest of the state is going through in that 
testing is now ramping up, so we are seeing what we didn't know was there. So the Keys gets its first testing Monday, uh, is my understanding. And are, are you concerned that all of these steps might be a little too little, a little too late? We had our first um, our first confirmed case after we issued the order to close hotels. Um, so we've been following CDC protocols in terms of what's the uh, the scientific evidence of of the disease uh, in and the spread in your community, and we have consistently exceeded those protocols in terms of first uh, the emergency management, then the, the restaurants, then the bars, and you know finally hotels. Um, so I, part of why we actually took the step that we took was not because of what we were seeing within the city of Key West and the, and the county of Monroe, but what we were seeing from our neighbors to the north. That's, and that's why we chose to close the keys to visitors and to tourists. And so the other side of that equation, much like everywhere else, uh, so much of Monroe County's economic stability depends on service workers and the tourist trade. Uh, Monroe County is a fairly expensive place to live and a lot of people on, who work there on a daily basis struggle with doing that. Uh, what is the county doing to support so many people in an unprecedented wave of, of unemployment and, and the Right. after cascading effects that go with that? Well, right now we're evaluating what resources we have available. Certainly um, the county is going to do what it can to uh, increase our partnership with some of our nonprofits that provide the kinds of services people need. We have already increased our delivery of in-home meals. We're maintaining our transportation services to uh, elderly and uh, afflicted people who need to get to physician's offices, for instance. Uh, and so we're, we're trying to do our best. We're seeing what resources are available to us. And we also have staff that is uh, taking a look at all of these packages that are coming down from the state and the federal government right now and how we can expedite getting them to people. You know, this isn't dissimilar from what we went through after Irma. Um, I'm hoping, though, that the speed with which uh, our partners uh, at higher levels of government deliver can do so faster than they did after Irma. That was obviously a frustration. Um, but we're going to continue to do what we can because obviously that's been one of the, the prime issues as we've gone through this little by little. This is really unchartered territory for all of us. Yeah, and, and that's, that's such a good point because Irma is a hurricane. You've seen plenty of those and we've the BP oil spill comes to mind about a decade ago also but the right. difference is those were you know a hurricane and a BP oil spill that's an occurrence and it's over and it's devastating but the recovery is done when the incident ends not only is this not over we have no idea where this is going and that is a tremendous hardship on so many levels let me ask you about the hospitals in the keys we were listening to uh, Jared Moskowitz, the Florida Director of Emergency Management, talking about identifying other resources in, in case of a surge of, of patients, which frankly is expected. Talk a little bit about what the key resources in healthcare and hospital space might be. Well, sure, you know, we're a small rural community and we don't have the kind of ex extensive resources that mainland communities have. And that's one of the primary reasons we're asking visitors to stay closer to their own homes rather than to be here. Um, you know, having said that, we do have three hospitals in the Keys. Um, 
We've been assured that they are working and doing their best to prepare for this. There are uh, uh, several uh, isolation rooms already at the Lower Keys Medical Center, none of which are inhabited because we don't have any cases that require hospitalization at, at this point. Uh, and I know that there are a couple hundred through, uh, be uh, beds throughout the Keys that may be accessible to us. Um, but we're also, I know, uh, at Mariner's Hospital, they're going to be uh, setting up some tents to do some additional testing there, uh, drive-through testing, and, and um, uh, community health, uh, CHI, is also going to be setting up um, some testing tents in Marathon. So, you know, as with every place else, as more people get tested, we're likely to see more cases. Whether those cases will require hospitalization is yet to be seen, but uh, we are working with all of our partners including, remember, we have the Naval Air Station Key West here, and our military partners have always been uh, terrific uh, resources when we've had uh, issues like this. So we're in contact with all of these groups and coordinating literally, practically on an hourly basis. And before, before I let you go, talk a little bit about the testing that's starting tomorrow. That'll be Monday the 23rd, the drive-through testing. Will that be set up much like it is right now in Broward and Dade where there is not widespread testing for anybody? You've got to be either a first responder or 65 and older or, or with symptoms or a reason to be tested. Is uh, Take us through that process just so people are very clear. Right, and I, I apologize in advance that I don't have the phone number, but CHI is asking people to call to do a telephone screening before they drive to get tested. And as with any place else, if there's no, if you're not exhibiting any symptoms, if you haven't traveled or been near anyone who's traveled, you're probably not going to go to the, the front of the line to get tested. Um, obviously, nationwide, we have a... a a real lack of the resources to do the testing that needs to be done. You know, we've seen in other countries that extensive te testing is the way to control this. So until we can get to that point and ramp up enough of those tests, we have to be able to triage and, and make sure that our most vulnerable people are, are tested first. Um, and, you know, I can tell you the one case that we have had so far that's been confirmed by the CDC, um, that those individuals are being quarantined and our health department is doing the contact tracing that's required in this kind of circumstances. So, you know, everybody's working overtime on this. Appreciate um, that. And we, we will get for our Monroe County viewers um, who we value greatly, we will get that phone number and we will put that up and make sure, sure. that we, uh, we take good care of them as well. Uh, Heather Carruthers, Mayor of Monroe County, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Florida lawmakers ended session this week under a weight of uncertainty brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. Most headed home to their districts as Governor Ron DeSantis focused on the state response to the coronavirus crisis as they all are now. And State Rep Chip Lamarca is with us on Skype from his home in Lighthouse Point. Is that where you are? Uh, in my district office in Lighthouse Point, yep. District office in Lighthouse Point, and we are grateful to see you. And first, I want everyone to know that this has been sort of a technical challenge, so thank you for sticking with us. Um, you are just back from Tallahassee. Um, the session ended in a way no one could have foreseen. Uh, I want to talk a little bit as you come back home now. The governor on Friday issued four different executive orders layered on top of those he had already, and one of them name-checked Broward and Palm Beach County to close the beaches. 
Talk, if you would, uh, State Rep, a little bit about that. Why and how is that going to happen? And what do you foresee? Well, thank you, Glenna. Um, so first of all, uh, our, our closest to the ground always is going to be our local government. The, the governor stepped in uh, with Executive Order 68, which was a 14-day executive order dealing with businesses that are non-essential bars, restaurants, and beaches, and had had some uh, issues with, with that. The Fort Lauderdale mayor actually shut down Fort Lauderdale Beach, and then we had this uh, movement of spring breakers from Fort Lauderdale to Lauderdale-by-the-Sea and Pompano Beach. And luckily, I've got uh, long time and good relationships with the mayor of Pompano Beach and Lauderdale-by-the-Sea, Mayor Vincent, Mayor Hardin, uh, and Mayor Fantelis, and we communicated and actually uh, worked on those issues locally. But uh, further down the road, uh, a couple days later, the governor did uh, Executive Order uh, 2070, which uh, specifically dealt with Broward and Palm Beach County. And what that did is put Broward and Palm Beach County on the same footing as Miami-Dade's ordinance that they did locally at the county level and basically said, look, we don't want folks on the beach. We don't want spring breakers, certainly, on the beach. And we don't want crowds of people in any, any place. So ultimately, now the beaches are actually formally closed. Uh, but from a standpoint of why that is important is, you know, clearly, if we're, if we're supposed to be social distancing, uh, a beach or a gym, uh, restaurants, that type of thing are absolutely the wrong places that have crowds of people. So we're working around that from the economic standpoint and trying to make sure that restaurants and and uh, places that we can serve food and even alcohol, as long as you have uh, identification, you can do that through takeout or curbside pickup. Yeah, there. I mean, there are so many issues even before this where the push and pull between local enforcement and local decisions and state decisions stepping in to sort of override the local decisions that that's been a huge issue on so many fronts. But in this case, uh, borders are man made and the mm -hmm. coronavirus knows no borders. Is it time right. to do a blanket state shutdown? Uh, well, so I, I would I would take a little uh, a little disagreement with the fact that there was this mass confusion. W what we're doing is taking these these issues as they come. Governor DeSantis is clearly working with the information and the data he has. Well, when he has it, and uh, to look back and say that this was a little fuzzy for a day and a half or two days, that's fair. But um, I think our Democrat Republican, you know, no politics involved here. Everyone's working together with the governor, uh, working on these executive orders. Excuse me. Um, to make sure that we have uh, that continuity, as you said, borders are, are man-made and uh, and they don't have uh, they don't affect the virus anyway. So we want to make sure that someone's not on a beach here or, or uh, an establishment in one place versus another. Uh, but from a standpoint of uh, uh, other orders, um, look, I, I trust the folks in, in uh, Florida and my district in the tri-county area. They're uh, starting to listen. It took a couple of days, but they're starting to listen. You can tell by the fact that. Other than essential issues like groceries, um, drug drug stores, things like that, uh, people aren't out on the roads just willy-nilly being out there. So I think this is really important. And a lot of this really comes from having folks in the governor's office, uh, like Chief of Staff Shane Strum, uh, Emergency Management Director Jared Moskowitz, two great Broward guys and friends, understand what we need to do down here. We just kicked off the uh, Memorial Health Care and the National Guard in the governor's office. Uh, worked in conjunction to get that, uh, and the Florida National Guard to get that testing site opened in uh, West Broward and CB Smith Park. I think they thought they were going to test uh, 250 or 300 people. When the first day it was over, uh, it was almost 750 people uh, that were tested, and the governor was on today, as you as you saw, 
trying to make sure that the private labs are ready to go ahead and, and implement these tests. So I would just say that we're working well together. Um, there is always a little bit of uh, push and pull as we get these things aligned, but um, we're able to do public meetings, uh, gov local governments, that type of thing. Uh, so some of these executive orders have been really helpful to us to be able to run local, local uh, county and state government. Yeah, I mean, there's going to no doubt be a, a brave new world on how things are done and on online meetings, which mm -hmm. are now possible under this executive order, open up a whole new question about how the public can participate online. And I, I guess we're going to be following that because that hasn't really ever been done yet. But I guess um, my question was, would you as a as a state leader recommend at some point, maybe today or tomorrow, that the state as a whole goes into a shutdown, much like New York and New Jersey and California and Connecticut are doing, a mandated stay home order statewide to finally attempt to flatten the curve. You're breaking up a little bit. You're saying basically statewide to shelter in place? Is that yes. the question? Yes, a mandate from um, the state to shelter in place. Yeah. So. Look, I, I think we have, we have uh, dealt with some of the largest population centers. Uh, businesses are closed. People understand that this is a, um, it's, it's uncharted territory. In other words, businesses are frustrated, and we all are. The economy basically stopped. The cruise industry, the tour, tourism industry, travel, um, all of that, which is our lifeblood, has stopped. And we're stopping as much, uh, as much activity as humanly possible um, with regard to a shelter-in-place. I mean, really... Um, I would say certain uh, certain populations. That's absolutely uh, something that we should consider. I know the governor is looking at that, but responsible populations in say a, a residential neighborhood shouldn't be uh, shouldn't feel like they can't at least go outside, take a walk around the block, as long as they're not interacting with other with other folks that may have you know may have had any type of symptoms. I mean, we we're looking at numbers as we can, but really a lot of this is going to be a catch up when the when the uh, testing is done. It'll all be a lot of catch up to uh, real numbers. So we're going to see these numbers go up. But that's really because uh, the folks hadn't been tested yet. And this is, you know, this is an issue that uh, as we get closer, closer to uh, being able to flatten out that curve, it's going to be a situation where the governor, uh, we're going to have to listen to his leadership. Yeah, um, we, we actually, I've, seen, we, I've seen a couple of things that have kind of pushed back. And I would say, uh, you know, shame on folks who would take to the newspapers or to the airwaves to criticize the governor or the president's leadership at this time. Let's. Let's do the Monday morning quarterback on Monday, uh, Monday morning, which hopefully is in two to four weeks from now. Let's deal with the real situation that we have here, which is life or death, uh, as well as our economy, and deal with that right now and put our put our trust in our governor's hands. I mean, he's he has shown the leadership in uh, in moving this forward. Uh, we can't oh, we can't look back and say, well, one day here or one day there. I mean, this is too important to everyone's lives, their business, and their and their future to sit and uh, take this time to pick on things. Let's let's try to pitch in to try to do things productive from a standpoint of whether it's print media or TV media. All right, well, I will just then, as long as we've been name-checked, go on record as saying we are doing nothing to criticize at all, just to inform, and, and we are very mindful of that. Um, I want to ask you, Representative, you've just come back from Tallahassee, uh, the budget that passed for the next fiscal year, $93.2 billion, and an unprecedented amount of $300 million, most of which is going to be reserves, uh, $52 million in the budget, toward coronavirus, COVID-19 prevention and uh, infrastructure. And I wonder if you would, if, if you can, and if it's done, give us a sense of the detail of that and what we can expect. Uh, you, you talked about the coronavirus, the reserves, and, and the the uh, long-range uh, dollars, as well as the 
the $60 million that was put in. And, and uh, please repeat your question. Yeah, give us a sense of the detail of what that money is going to pay for. Well, look, go, going back to the to the to the issue of uh, this being a global issue and certainly a national as well as a statewide issue, and and uh, I clearly, uh, if I brought something about the media, you that you all do a great job, and I've been on your show before, and I think you're always trying to make sure you're informing people. So it's, it was clearly not with respect to uh, to your folks at Local Ten, but um, from a standpoint of those dollars, we put we put sixty million in immediate access for. Uh, uh, PPE equipment, personal protective equipment for our first line, our first responders, our, our first line of uh, responders from doctors to uh, medics, that type of thing. Uh, also dollars to be able to move uh, testing, to be able to set up test sites, mobile hospitals, uh, equipment as far as ventilators, beds. There's a mobile hospital being uh, being coordinated in, uh, in Fort Lauderdale and West Fort Lauderdale. Um, I think the biggest thing we can do right now is just have the resources available the 300 million that was put into reserves clearly is something that um, we want to make accessible. At the same time, let's let's be cognizant that Washington, uh, with uh, with the White House and and Congress, are working on you know major dollars for equipment and uh, and, and moving those things along. You know, one of the one of the things when you think of we're we're uh, kind of sheltered in place, if you will, in a hurricane. Uh, Publix and uh, Whole Foods and Walmart and uh, Target and all the local folks, they can move that supply chain and deal with an area that's three, four counties. Even we saw 42 counties with Irma. But when you're talking about 3,069 counties, which makes up the entire United States, it's hard to to get uh, supplies, resources, whether it's the medical testing for uh, the virus or just that folks can stay moving in their in their daily lives. So whether it's groceries or paper products or whatever it might be. So clearly some challenges. Um, again, I, I have a lot of trust in the, lo- the local folks. Those uh, executive orders we spoke about, they'll all be enforced locally. So we're still working together locally, statewide, and, and uh, with the federal government on a lot of these things. A great example is we have two or three members of the Florida House of Representatives who are members of the Florida National Guard. And uh, one of them is actually uh, in doing duty right now in Broward. And uh, we've got another, uh, some other folks from Broward County that are activated the National Guard. So it's important to make sure that we understand, you know, that we're reacting uh, and we're trying to be proactive with supplies. But we're, a lot of this is going to be reactive because we're not, we're not sure what the numbers are yet. We won't really know those numbers until we get uh, the full testing back. And we are all in this together, I think, is what your headline would be. And I thank you so much, Chip LaMarca, from his district office in Lighthouse Point. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, stay tuned. We'll be talking. Thank you, Glenn, and God bless you.